everybody. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're going to be discussing the age-old debate of science and faith. Can they get along? Are there points on either side that are important to consider? We're going to give you a non-biased breakdown. And we're also joined by our good friend, Reverend Michael Carter. He's going to shed some insight on his studying and his experience as a man of faith himself. And uh, maybe we can uh, shed some light and improve the quality of the dialogue. It seems to be very divisive and very polarized. Maybe there's a lot more in common than we know. So with that, grab your coffee and your comfy chair. And thank you for joining us uh, for this week's episode of Quantum Ladder Podcast. Welcome back to Quantum Ladder Podcast. My name is Louis Borges. Joining me today and always, my good friend, Marquise Williams. What's up, brother? How you doing, man? It's going to be a great episode because this is a near and dear to my heart thing. You know, the very first person you introduced me to, the very first uh, famous person, was also someone who became a really good friend of mine and, and who I care about and who, who cares about me um, and made me feel like, you know, an important person and, and helped me develop even emotionally and internally in a lot of ways as, as a creator and as, as a public figure. So this is awesome. This is a great for sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Michael as well. I've chatted with him a few times now. I learn something every time. He's the kind of guy you chat with and you just feel like spilling your guts and getting <laughs> you know in touch with yourself and being vulnerable and there's no judgment. It's just awesome to have him here. And uh, with that, let's bring him on. Welcome to the show, Reverend. Hey, Michael guys. What's up? What's thank up? You, what's thank up? you. Thank you for those, those words. <laughs> you know, I, this is the first time I've been on this show with you guys. That's a beautiful montage. Thank that you. you have man it really it's 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 moving it's powerful too i was like whoa beautiful and That's the quotes are sort of the basis of where yes we're at. like one of those quotes there was an einstein quote that religion is lame without science and science That's is blind without religion go. and it's kind yes. of the feature of today's show and exactly. uh, yeah we put a lot of effort a lot of effort into this we've got that intro video then we have our little uh, video break that we take halfway through and then our closing all the music is similar but different. We had to scour the world to find it and buy the licensing for it and all the rest. So oh, yeah. It's a labor yeah. of love. We are not making any money doing this. There's no commercials on our show. We just want to bring people good information. Hopefully, it inspires them and uh, makes them do um, you know their own introspective deep dives on these types yes. of topics. So, yes. so for anyone who's not familiar with you, maybe take a minute and tell us a bit about yourself. What oh. got you into the line of work that you're currently doing now? Oh, okay. I... uh. I'm, my name is uh, Reverend Michael Carter. I wear a lot of hats. I, I serve a congregation here in North Carolina. I'm an experiencer. I'm a father, which I'm seeing more, you know, 
really that's weighing on me because my daughter will be 18 in February, man, and she's going off wow. to college. Don't know where yet. Um, and I think, uh, I, well, I when I was a kid, I always knew I wanted to be, I didn't know the words for it then, but a priest, a minister. I think I called it a priest. But, um, and I did, even though it was a circuitous route. And uh, I, I, my experiences uh, just let me, led me to look at my faith in a, a different way, which I guess that's called growth. So anyway, that's how I, I, I got here. I'm, I'm, you know, I've been ma newly married for a little over a year now. So um, I'm living the dream, as they say. Yeah, I feel like you're. I feel like you're. Uh, he's underselling himself here, ladies and gentlemen. This man oh. has been on on major television networks. He's been on the History Channel several times. He's been on. All of like uh, several major podcasts as well. So let's let's not pretend let's not pretend like <laughs> you're just. I mean, uh, of all the things you could be, a father and a and a, and a family man is, is the most important. But let's not pretend like you don't do more than that, my friend. You are much more, uh, much more than that in the public eye. <laughs> so well, I thank you. I, I uh, yeah, I, I've written some books. I got a new book out. We can talk about that at another time. It's a book of sermons. Yep. It just came out on the third. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what's been keeping keeping me going and, you know, leaving my faith tradition and coming back and leaving it. But now at 66, uh, I think I got a handle on it, you know, and um, this is where I stand. Uh, you know, I, 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 science is crucial to faith. At least it is for me. Uh, you can still be a person of faith and believe in um uh, life elsewhere, a populated universe. As a matter of fact, I will say this at the outset, uh, outside of Einstein's quote, which I think is spot on, that this um, this disclosure of drip drip process that we're going through, it it it's it's the perfect melding of because a lot of these beings are spiritual beings, not all. And, and but yet they have mastered this technology. And so it kind of brings in uh, those two, th those two paradigms of can I be a highly technological society, which is very difficult and still not become too secular, where I just give up a faith in anything outside of technology, but also that merging of uh, a lot of these beings are highly spiritual and um, they seem to have not let the technological prowess kind of overshadow that. I, I think that's fascinating. I think it's attainable. It just may take a little while because um, I was raised, I'm a little older than both of you guys, I think, but, um, you know, I was raised that science and religion were two different, two separate cousins that would never speak to each other. And we're seeing that now we're also seeing the resistance to it. Um, but, but, you know, that's only a matter of time. Uh, yeah. Before, before. Yeah. I noticed it going from one genre of podcasting into another before we were sort of in the world of the unknown where anything could potentially be real. Nobody knows. And I found that most people were spiritual in that realm. As soon as we switch over to more of a science based topic, we're getting involved with forums and science discussions. There is a clear polarization and divide straight up science people saying religion doesn't exist if you can't prove it and of course they will point at sort of the stories of ancient 
as their justification for it to say, you know, well, how ridiculous is it that people thought the world was only 6,000 years old and things like that. Mm. We can get into a little bit more about that, but I found an interesting clip here and it's sort of this guy reenacting all of the arguments on both sides of this discussion. So I thought it would be a good segue because there's a lot of points in there that people make. This will kind of refresh our minds as to sort of where the science minded only people are and where the blind faith people are. And uh, it'll give us some some points of discussion. So check it out. God is real. Well, as real as the tooth fairy is. Except believing in God actually improves your life. If I told people that I thought a man in the sky was watching me, they'd call me crazy. But if I go to church and chant the same belief with a group of people, I'm perfectly sane. The belief in the unseen is just a way to visualize religious values. Symbolic images are deeply embedded in our psyche, which makes them shortcuts to deeper truths about Why do you life? think the deterioration of religion has been met with a surge of interest in crystals, astrology, and other new age spiritual symbols? Science eliminates the need for all of that because it doesn't require you to believe in things that aren't there. Do you believe that atoms exist? Of course. You ever see one? Sort of. You see, science is its own type of religion. Science is not a religion. Scientists don't try to justify the past the way priests do. They accept the fallibility of their work and let objective results determine what they believe. The benefits of religion are just less obvious than science, but that doesn't mean that they aren't important to society. Religious people are known to be happier, healthier, and more charitable than those who aren't. That's not religion's doing. That comes from a strong sense of community. When's the last time two people bonded over a piece of scientific data? They don't. Because life isn't experienced as data as a story. Religions tell stories that relate directly to all human experience and give direction where people are otherwise lost on what to do or care about. What do you think evolution and the Big Bang are? Scientific stories don't have morals embedded in them. They don't have an underlying ethic that tells you what to do. We don't need to go to church to know that murder is wrong. We recognize it as wrong because we wouldn't want it to happen to us. Our intuitions are wrong all the time. The Bible is a collection of the failures and successes of our ancestors' intuition. It protects us from making the same mistakes by emphasizing counterintuitive ideas that can save us from tragedy, like sacrifice, faith, and restraint. Those same religious stories have been used to infect people's minds with guilt, shame, hatred, homophobic, and sexist ideologies. And religious leaders refuse to acknowledge no, it. No, they refuse to blame holy books for the tribalistic tendencies of humanity. Religious warfare is no different than nationalistic, cultural, or even identity warfare. And you don't see me blaming science for the creation of the atomic bomb. But science learns from its mistakes. Why can't religion just edit out the outdated ideas about slavery and violence? Because by editing a line, the story might lose its mythological significance. Holy books are metaphorical. That's their weakness. It's not a weakness. It's a feature. It allows us to contextualize the values of the Bible to modern situations. I can find personal meaning in a Dr. Seuss book, but that doesn't mean I need to pray to the Grinch. Yes, many books convey meaning, but rituals and religions help transfer that meaning into action. But why banish everyone who doesn't worship your book to hell? Because discipline is not easy for people. They need a balance of fear and hope to be corralled towards their potential. You just admitted that religion uses a form of psychological control. Not control, but collaboration. Religious people want to be influenced positively by the word of God. Tell that to the millions who are suffering under religious totalitarianism. Organizing people together under any banner risks alienation. But God provides for those who choose to believe in it. Tell me, were there any religious people that died in the Holocaust? Nanking, Rwanda, why would God allow his believers to be massacred? God is a mystery. God is whatever science hasn't figured out yet. No. God is what science is trying to figure out. God is just a name for what science calls the deterministic system of existence. Sounds like religion is just a poor substitute for a good education. Why do you think religiosity drops as people get more educated? People who have the luxury to spend a decade in school pondering their place in the universe are so insulated from tragedy that they can survive being faithless and nihilistic without falling apart. The average person doesn't have that luxury. But religion is just a sedative, a numbing solution that keeps us from solving problems under the assumption that it's all God's will. Science may not make you feel better about terrible things that have already happened, but it does aim to prevent more terrible things from terrible happening. Terrible things are still happening. If we, just, happening if we all just prayed, it's tension. We're all walking a tightrope through life, and it's hard. 
but it's harder without any tension between our scientific and religious sensibilities. They balance us through their conflict. Science and religion represent our relationship with certainty and uncertainty. Religion helps us safely convert overwhelming amounts of uncertainty into certainty, while science allows us to investigate certainty until it becomes uncertain again. Together, they make us resilient to situations that are either too familiar or too novel, promoting and protecting the development of our understanding of life and the world we live in. Though you might be tempted to sidestep the tension between the two by accepting only one, neither will ever be a perfect substitute for the other. There we go. That is just about everything anybody could say on either side of the fence. So let's start with the Reverend. What are your thoughts? Well, that was a lot of stuff to take in. Sure. Um, and, and words, you know, words get in the way, but words are all we have. And so there's truth to all of that. Uh, 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 there's truth to all of that. I, I forget the, the quote. Someone told me that once that uh, uh, um, science can tell you why, but religion can tell you how. I don't know if that's so much true, but uh, there is dogma in science. There's a, a, a quote that I love that it's very hard to get someone to change what they believe when their paycheck depends on them not. We're seeing it now in, in again, in the UFO field where you still have these people that a ship could land on in front of their house and someone could walk out and they still would not get that. Um, so there's a little bit of both taken to extreme. You have science that has turned into dogma. I cannot take in anything new. And I understand that. If, you, if you're if you a tenured professor or if you are tenured and you've worked several decades and you come to this conclusion and then there's some new information or new experiences that come in, you're not easily going to let go of your old paradigm. And so... The same, the same negative things we can say about religion, we can say about science and vice versa. That's where I am with, with, with all of that, that taken to an extreme, um, it becomes dysfunctional and detrimental to society. We both, we need both. Um, I, I remember when I was reading about Einstein many, many years ago, Isaacson's book, I never really finished it. And I was surprised because they talked, I, I grew up with Einstein was an atheist and he did use the word God and he believed, it's, it's just that they don't believe in the God that uh, that most people have been taught to believe in. A Santa Claus figure up in the sky, very anthropomorphic. We use different words for that now. Uh, same thing with uh, the African-American intellectual W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, because we've had this disconnect, as you alluded to, both of you, at the beginning, that, that that they don't get along. And it turns out several books have been written about Du Bois. I have one here called Prayers for Dark People, and there's another one on his spiritual life. And so you can be intelligent. You can love uh, 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 the life of the mind and still believe in God. Um, uh, and so, but we, we just have to stop letting, I think, other people define what that means for us. I happen to be a, a follower of the teachings of Jesus and, <clears throat> but in a very, in a more progressive way than some of my counterparts. It's not the only, I, you know, you see around me, I got Buddhists here. I got uh, star people here. I got yeah. on my yeah. wall, but, um, 
you know, but out of all of that, by being an atheist and agnostic, but, but I always come back to those teachings. I'm, I'm educated in the West. There are a lot of reasons for that. But what I had to stop doing is letting other people tell me what a Christian was. And I think that's the same thing with science and religion. I can't let others define the narrative for me. And that's where experience comes in. And so no one else can define my experience but me. And that's where we get um, when I when you know, this 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 mess, uh, you know, when I was a chaplain um, and I was a healer, I am a healer. But I noticed that all these books were coming out by Larry Dossie and very reputable people about what healing was. And I realized that they weren't going to ministers because they thought that ministers were going to give you this dogma. So you get all these books about hands-on healing and energy work from, from people who don't really do it, but they've studied it. And you get all this stuff from experiencers about, um, but people who've never had the experience, but they're telling you what it is. You know, we're seeing it now with the government narrative that the only true narrative is what the government tells you. We have the science behind us, but you've never been in the same room with one of these people. You've never seen or felt what they can do. And so you got to weigh through that and say, this is what I know. This is what I believe. Science says they're about experience, religious or spiritual experience. It's about what have I experienced. And somehow we've got to learn to talk to each other and not be so wedded to being right. You you have a way of it making me become introspective through our conversation. <laughs> like the way that you talk about things. <laughs> you, Louis mentioned this at the beginning. You talk about introspection. And I, I'm a big you know supporter of trying to inspire introspection in other people i try to you do it eloquently you do it perfectly i, mean, I think it's probably because of what you do as a minister yeah um, I, I mean it's what i do for a living but thank you it's it well you know i you you tell me all the time and i know i'm always in my head and you're trying to yeah. like let's bring it down let's get let's go somewhere else and you mentioned something that i found very important and that was the idea that no one can define any of these if these you know truths to you you have to search for them for yourself and you find have them. To discover them for you and find mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And to me, that was that is the most important thing. I mean, everything you said was was extremely interesting. And it was it was honestly, again, it for it kind of inspires that introspection. That for me was the most important thing. Um, can you can you for the audience, can you give them an idea or or uh, uh, try to try to show them how the process of of searching for something. And how they should, how they should, for example, you know, begin looking when they encounter two different ideas, how they should compare them, contrast them, um, how they should view them. What is a logic to get to the point where they find their own truth? What's the process? Well, see, see, that's the thing. There's no formula. There is no formula. And you and I have had this conversation <laughs> where we're looking for, if I do A, B, C, D, that's going to equal that. No, it's going to be different for everybody. Um and so, but that's part of the process when we can learn to respect that and to take it seriously. Um, you know, I know, you know, when I was, the journey I've taken from, you know, I was raised in the African-American Baptist tradition, and then I got into metaphysics and with some label the occult, and I would, then I started having these experiences, and then I became 
you know, I got away from Christianity, Orthodox. You know, my, my root was circuitous, not the only person by far. And then I've come full circle. But 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 um, now for me, I had to do that. For another person, they would say, Michael, no, I never had those doubts because to have those doubts would make you not what you say you are. I used to argue with that, but now I go, okay, that was the route you had to take. Mm -hmm. To me, life is about growth and and being uncomfortable. Um, you know, you know, you need a loan. I'll put it like this. So I'm not abstract. Have, having alone time is crucial on the spiritual path. Making that the contemplative uh, 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 meditation, prayer, being in nature, those are some of the things that can help. And, and that's a gift, having the leisure time to read, to study. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. Many people are at work. I was working from home today, so I have the time to do this, to read, to study. Those are those are blessings. And 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 you could say, well, I don't like that word blessing. Well, I'm fortunate enough to have that. But but just getting to know who you are, to get away from those distractions, those are two things. Quiet time, you know, to, to reflect, to, to read, to study, to not be afraid of change. Those are some of the things. They're not a formula, but if you look, because all people have already done this before us, brothers, so we don't have to recreate the wheel. You can go back and read Buddhist texts, uh, Islam. You can go back and read so-called New Age. I don't believe in that term, but you people have already done this for us. Catholicism. I'm very heavy into that. Now, I'm not Catholic, but I'm just uh, fascinated with that 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 church probably past life stuff and and uh, well I know it is but but um uh Catholicism and where it started and what it means now um and what it may mean in the future fascinated that with all the dogmas and stuff they're the only uh, denomination that's really taking the UFO phenomenon seriously always had so 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 you know what I mean I don't like Fox News but I watch Tucker Carlson because he uh, takes the UFO uh, thing seriously. Being willing to say, I don't have to swallow all that whole, you know, my politics are different from Brother uh, uh, Tucker, but we, 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 we vibe on this. Being mm -hmm. able to, to, to reflect, to not be afraid, being able to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Those are some of the things that will help you on that journey. And you cultivate it. And like I was in a 12-step program for codependency. They work for so many things, as you know, sex, alcohol, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was always progress, not perfection. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to grow. You have to, you have to, you know, you want to evolve. Those are some of the things that maybe would help. I hope that answered your question a little bit. But there's no formula because each of us is precious and different. And our journeys are going to be that. I will extract the the formula from your statement, and I'll I'm just kidding. <laughs> provide a twelve step program. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but isn't that exactly what science is trying to do? They're looking for a definitive, you know, unequivocal answer, and there may not be such a thing that ever yes. exists. And in yes. fact, you know, one of the most famous scientists out there, and he's a brilliant storyteller. And I really like him. I, you know, you mentioned you don't quite agree with the politics of, Car of Tucker. 
I don't quite agree with the UFO mind of this person or the atheistic mind of this person, but Neil deGrasse Tyson, very famous guy. Here are his thoughts on why there is no such thing as God. So exactly. And, and see, that's big because part of the growth is being able to listen to people you don't agree with and Mm -hmm. ideas that you don't agree with, because that's how you grow and learn. I think it was Socrates. It may have been, you know, I know, that I don't know, but right. that's what makes you wise because that means you're always curious. Mm-hmm. Once certitude is, I won't make a blanket statement, but too much certitude is the death of growth. Um, because once you know all the answers, then you're not open to hearing anything else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, 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 and I look at my journey through Christianity, and, and some people will say, Michael, that's not Christianity. That's what you think. But it's, it's interpretation, as a lot of it is. But it reminds me of the T.S. Eliot quote that at, um, we will never cease from exploration. It's kind of contradictory because then he says, at the end of all our exploring, we will arrive at the place we started and we will know it for the very first time. Yeah. And it's beautiful because we see that life is secular. Uh, you know, the cycles, it's not linear. And so I'm a different person picking up. Um, I'm a different person picking up my Bible now than I was a week ago, but yeah. definitely two, three years ago. So I see it. I've lived. It brings something else to me. And and folks, you, you, I'm not pushing Christianity on you because if I told you what I believe, you'd probably say you're a heretic. But what I am saying is... Um, that you go back and you study. The Dalai Lama said about people who, well, first he said, a couple, he says many things. He said, but if science proved Buddhism wrong, he would have to leave Buddhism. Now that's open-minded. But he also said that you can use, that if you, um, if you have to leave your religion of origin for any reason, don't talk bad about it because it still works for some people. But he says, don't leave it until you've explored it to the nth degree. Yeah. You know? You don't don't know what you're leaving otherwise. You don't. You don't really know. And that's what I had to do. And I I love it. I feel good now. And, you know, I I got my basic beliefs down. Now, and and I may say in in July, you know, I discovered something else that I didn't really believe for. But, But my basic template is there. And I think that's the same thing. Just excuse me, my Bible just jumped off the table. Oh, wow. um, maybe I said something wrong. But but I think that's the same thing with science too. You know, we we're, we're getting it that we live in a populated universe that we're measuring and we're using metrics for other civilizations. We're using 21st century science, and these beings have 60th century physics. And so we're not. You can't do it this way. You can't get there from here. But if you're mired in what isn't possible, and again, if, if if your livelihood says it can't be possible if you want to get paid and work here, it's hard to let new information in. Let's check out this clip from Neil deGrasse Tyson, and then we'll get uh, everybody's thoughts right after. So okay. if, you, if, if your concept of a creator is someone who's all-powerful and all-good, That's not an uncommon pairing of powers that you might describe to a creator. All powerful and all good. And I look at disasters that afflict Earth and life on Earth. 
volcanoes, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, disease, pestilence, um, congenital birth defects. You look at this list of ways that life is made miserable on Earth by natural causes. And I just ask, how do you deal with that? So philosophers rose up and said, if there is a God, God is either not all-powerful or not all-good. I have no problems if, as we probe the origins of things, we bump up into the bearded man. If that shows up, we're good to go, okay? Not a problem. There's just no evidence of it. And this is why religions are called faiths, collectively. Because you believe something in the absence of evidence. That's what it is. That's why it's called faith. Otherwise, we would call all religions evidence. But we don't, for exactly that reason. So, so I, I'm, I'm given what everyone describes to be the properties that would be expressed by an all-powerful being in the gods that they worship, I look for that in the universe and I don't find it. So I, I, I remain unconvinced. But if you've got some good evidence, bring it, bring, bring it, bring it, okay? And so I don't, I don't lead with that information because what I believe should be irrelevant to anyone. It's not about me. It's about the real world. I got to say, you think on, yeah. you know, where's God? There's so many bad things that happen on the planet and the other points that he made. What do you think, Mike? You know, I, I agree with brother Tyson. You know, I, I don't think he's being falsely, false humility that it's not about him. But in a way, it is about him in the sense that he's living in an androcentric universe, that it is about the human beings and what's real. And so who gets to decide what is real? He's not the only one who makes the argument um, that all these pestilences and what have you, they come from natural causes and, and, and that's it. I mean, and people and even our ancestors struggle that there's a God for this and there's a reason for that. But they were struggling to make sense of the world around them. So he's talking about what is real. But again, we're talking about experience. And because he hasn't, he won't go beyond the paradigm of if I can't see, taste, feel, smell, or touch it, it's not real. So we know what quantum physics says, right? It reflects what you believe. And so he can't get out of that because that's, that's, his, that's, what, that's his belief system. So it's interesting to me. For other people who will look at some parts of quantum theory, string theory, um, it's that openness and wonder where anything is possible. And we see it now that, that if I'm staring at an object, not only is the object influenced by me staring at it, but I'm influenced by the object. That is tremendous information to live in. We create our own realities. But he's saying that because it doesn't fit in his paradigm, then it, he doesn't believe it. And so he can't because it's, it's the old saying that if you think you can do something or you think you can't do something, 
you're right both ways. You're yep. correct both ways. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I, you know, what I've come to brothers is this. I know what you believe by how you treat me or how you treat the planet. That will tell me more. I mean, I could get on here and say, brothers, I'm in Bible study every Wednesday night. I'm at church on Friday. I'm in the pulpit on Sunday. And I could tell you all that. But if you knew, if you, you're going to watch the way I live. It's the same thing in a way with science. You can have, and, and, and because information is not always wisdom. Information is information, you know, and in our culture, we have mistaken information for wisdom. Now, information leads to knowledge. And even then, knowledge has to be applied. In other words, I have to use it in my everyday life. It'll work. That's wisdom. But just, you know, he's a bright man and he but he just he's he's giving you information. I'm I'm looking for wisdom. I, that that's what I'm looking for, and I'm not saying he's not wise. But but the but the clergy person, the the the, the philosopher, um, we, we, we're we're looking for different things. But that doesn't mean we can't come together on them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Yeah. That doesn't mean we can't come together. He probably could explain quantum theory and all that very, 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 very. very I mean, I probably would be like, well, what, what is going on? But there, but I'm coming at it from when I told you about up here. You you see the wisdom with your heart. You 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 know the ancients knew that you you saw with this as well, and they weren't. Some of these people were monks. Some of these people were religious people. But they knew that there was an there was a, such a thing as insight. You, you know when when you read the Bible and we see what's going on with Pharaoh. What does it say? Uh, Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. He didn't harden his mind, probably. But, you know, because our, the ancients knew that this is where you really could see the world, that you could really feel and get information. It wasn't that you couldn't think. But that, that they knew there was something else. We were more than that. And we've lost that. We, I mean, I mean, you know, as a culture. Um, and so the thing is, is how do, you know, I don't know how do you retain it or how do you get it back? But you, you got to remember that you can always tap into that. By what? I'm glad you asked. By being alone in nature and contemplation in meditation, in study. That's how. And you can, they're, 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 because they're philosophers, my friend, they're, they're scientists who do believe in God. Yep. I mean, I mean, we, we need to put that out there, remind yep. people of that. There yep. are scientists, and we'll use that language. There are other people, like Einstein and others, who they may not use the word God, they may call it energy or the prime move or the force, but they are saying that there's something that pre that 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 that's beyond all this. They're just not using the word God. And I understand because it has a lot of baggage. Tyson was talking about it. When you use the word God, 
when I hear people talk about God, you know, in my pastoral care and whatever, I always want to make sure, what do you mean when you say that? Because I may be thinking something else. Tell me what that means for you. And especially in a Unitarian church, because we have people who believe and people who don't. But when people use that word, I don't want to automatically jump to my idea of God. Hmm. Well, you see, you mentioned so there, there Einstein a, and Hawking and all that, and those guys. I got a few quotes from them, and some are pro, some are con. Uh, but like Albert Einstein, this was in our intro title, Science Without Religion is Lame, Religion Without Science is Blind. Stephen Hawking, yes. again, very much uh, not a believer. Uh, he says there was a fundamental difference between religion, which is based on authority and science, um, or, and science, which is based on observation and reason. Science will win because it works. The Baha'i Faith, uh, one of their quotes is, religion and science are the two wings upon which man's intelligence can soar into the heights with which the human soul can progress. So very much a rite of passage. And even Pope John Paul II said, uh, science can purify religion from error and superstition, and religion can purify science from idolatry and false absolutes. Yes. So very much an open-minded opinion, especially from the Catholic Church, which many think is uh, yeah, the yeah. body I, I, on I, the planet. I'm fascinated, man. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and you got to make room for growth, you know, evolving. There was that split because human beings were still evolving and the two couldn't be together. But we see that in order for us to grow, they have to be. They have to be. It's Otherwise, it's the blind leading the blind. And right. Yeah. And as Jesus says, they both fall in the ditch. So we've got to make room for that. Uh, and, and I think we are now. And there's always going to be the resistance, always, because it's threatening. Uh, uh, the world is changing so quickly. I, 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 you know, I can't tell you. And of course, media, you know, is a proponent of it about AI. And I'm like, look, gang, AI is coming no matter what. It's here. It's here. But when I really listen to the arguments against AI, it's not so much, it's almost like money. Money's evil. No, money's not evil. It's the consciousness behind the money. You know what I mean? Money is just a, a tool. Well, it's the same thing with AI. AI is a technology, but we're programming with it and we're we're using it. But if we are unconscious ourselves, if we're not on a higher frequency, we're just going to uh, uh, put that darkness and that fear and everything right into AI. And then you got to be afraid of it. Yeah. So so they're not really afraid of AI. They're afraid of the people who are using it or who are, who are putting it out. You know, so it's all it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the consciousness behind it. And we know that consciousness changes, that consciousness grows. At a snail's pace, yes. Uh, uh, you know, it's glacial, yes, but it does happen. Mm. Marquis, any thoughts before we take our mid-show break? I I did, but I don't remember exactly what I was going to say. So maybe I'll think maybe I'll think about it after the break. That's sure. okay. I'll think. Okay, we'll take our five-minute break. Refill your coffee, Brother Carter and Marquis, and everybody at home, and uh, we'll see everybody back here in five minutes.
And we are back with the second half of Quantum Ladder Podcast. Joining us today, the very eloquently spoken Reverend Michael Carter. It's always a pleasure. You get us very introspective and seems to simplify things. And it's you just have a way of framing it in, in a sense that uh, everybody can absorb it. And I found it interesting that you said that your Unitarian Church is comprised of believers and non-believers as well. Yeah, yeah. I used to serve, well, I'll, I'll give you the truncated version. Um. Unitarian Universalism, Unitarianism comes from Eastern Europe, Transylvania, that area, Universalism from England. Universalism says that God is one. But it was in a Christian context. Now we just open up to everybody. Universalism says that God loves everybody and that in some ways everybody's saved. I'm using the words they use 17th, 18th century. So they came together. Unitarianism came down when it came from uh, uh, Boston, universe, uh, and and you know coming from Europe. Universalism comes from England. So we were very liberal. You could use your mind. You couldn't. You didn't have to take things on faith. You could use your mind. You could question. You could. Do, but we started out as very liberal Christians. But people paid their price because Calvinism was the dogma of the day. Okay, and so, you know, you can you know what that story was. But after in the 50s, I'm jumping after two world wars in Korea, there was like a death of God movement um, where people said what Neil deGrasse Tyson is. Well, I still want the community. I still want to get together, but I don't want to call it a church. I want I I, you know, I, I just don't believe in that anymore. So you you said, okay, then you can start your own. You know, so. But in my church, and I served the UU Christian Church, where pretty much everybody there, most of them in Boston, but I served one in Brooklyn. And we had communion, the whole bit, high church, the robes, the whole bit. But uh, our average churches, um, we have some churches, you could, they don't call them churches, they call them societies of fellowships, but they're UU, where they're just mostly atheists or humanists, you know, and they have what they have. But they're still under the rubric. But my church has um, uh, Christians who are not Christian enough for their Orthodox, where they came from. Like I came from Orthodox Baptist tradition. Um, I'm saved. You're not. You're not in the club, that kind of thing. Um, and we have Jewish people who left Orthodox Judaism because of that. Uh, we have uh, uh you know, we have everybody. We have interracial couples. We have some gay folk. We had a, one trans person. We have people who are um, identify as uh, pagan. They're more earth centered, like Native American folk. And so my job on Sunday is to come up and I can use the Bible. I can preach from the New York Times. I can use any of my books. That's what I loved about it. But we come together with these principles. There are eight of them. And that basically we're saying that we are, we honor the earth. We're going to treat people with dignity and respect, that there's truth in all faiths, that we can learn, that we, we believe in democ- the democratic process and science. Um, uh, and and we, have to, we have two others I forgot about, three. Oh, we, we're about racial reconciliation, those types of things. And people say, how do you keep everybody together? Because we hit the basics. We, you know, there's a menorah in the church. You know, uh, Hanukkah is Sun is is, is a Thursday. 
on Wednesday evening. Got a Christmas Eve server. My church is packed on Christmas Eve and, um, and Easter. And people say, how do you do that? Well, because we respect all the different faith traditions. And my job is to make those stories, keeping my integrity, but to make those stories relevant so that you can, you know, you may not, you may say, I'm not a, um, a Christian. I don't believe people raise up from the dead after being nailed on a Roman cross. I don't believe that. But they come to my church. Why? Because I make that story relevant to their lives. And so, yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. That's what I've been doing. It's a challenge every Sunday, but they haven't kicked me out yet. And I and they kicked me out once they, uh, some people tried to kick me out once once they saw me on Ancient Aliens. But th- my board stood up for me. They said he doesn't preach it from the pulpit. Uh, he's probably right. Now, this was over, you know, this was eight years ago. And uh, they said, as long as he's not forcing it down your throat, why are you, why are you angry? So that's a truncated version. But just look up the history, Unitarian Universalism. They merged in 1961. Um, And you'll get a little history on it. Or maybe one day I can do a show with you and we can just talk about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did remember, by the way, um, what I was I had. I try to type these things out so that I don't forget. That's what you'll see me over here typing. And you laugh at me with the pen and paper notes, but you don't see me forgetting my question. Either. Well, keep it. Well, he's getting, he's getting, Lewis, he's getting older, man. Yeah. My <laughs> questions are, my I questions have to are write more, my stuff down too. Well, your hair, your hair I'm, I'm getting old. I'm getting, it's, it's long, man. Especially there's a couple of them that are really, really long. Um, Look, a couple of threads that are just like, just, you know, they're not all even. Um, they don't have so, to be. In fact, yeah. I yeah, forgot but, to grow um, my dreads for this episode. My apologies. You, when I there, see folks. you, I want to see a dread wig on you, Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> next time. I'll get one of those Rasta ones from Halloween. Yeah, so I funny. See that. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get I'm, I'm lucky that my dreads get tight constantly. <laughs> I'm always getting my dreads are always tightened. I don't have to do it. Um, I'm like literally just they just get tightened all the time. But um, so so here I have it here. I'm this is gonna sound a little bit um I don't want to I don't want to sound too you know cerebral here, but uh, Why not? You know, that video because because I'm trying, you know, because I'm working on things like you taught me. Right? Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, but don't um, give up. You don't give no, up. No, I'll never give up. Me. I'm I'm yeah, always gonna yeah. be me, brother. I'm That's who you are. Me. Yeah. So there was a there was a part in that video in the very beginning. He, Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about um his entire premise is ignoring the idea that God has given human beings according to the to the biblical you know account free will. That they, that God has given humans choice, and so what what always gets me about Neil deGrasse Tyson is that he always builds what people call a straw man. Oh, this is what religion believes, and then he and it's usually pretty dumb. Like the the straw yeah. man is pretty dumb, yeah. and yeah. they'll say, yeah. "Oh, yeah. this is how stupid it is." And you're like, "Well, it is yeah. stupid," but because people don't really know that, not a lot of people understand all those these religions. They reject it because they've had bad experiences with people and religions, or they see someone. A lot of people who are doing bad things in their religious quote-unquote religious so they reject it just by default and don't look too much into it so when you see someone like neil degrasse tyson who's a great speaker and and a very you know good storyteller you just believe it he's a smart guy how can you not believe that his characterization of what these religions believe is true but the premise of of human beings um having choice gives gives birth to the possibility of, of chaos the world that we live in today 
the point was not to create automatons. That's not yeah. what God made. You know, according to the biblical text or the, all these different religious texts, God made man and woman to to have free will, and so they could choose to do well, bad things. Well, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I mean, even if you don't, I don't look at the biblical story the same way anymore for all the obvious reasons. But you, you know, you want to ask Brother Tyson, what do you mean by free will? For me, free will is that you can do anything you want, as you said, brother. Yeah. It's just that you have to be able to pay the consequences. That's yeah. all free will means. I can do anything I want. I can go up to the top of this roof and jump off. <laughs> but the consequence is that, you know, the psalmist talks about, but I'm not tempting. I'm probably <laughs> going to need uh, an ambulance. Um, you know, th th to me, that's what free will is. I can do what I want as long as I know there's a repercussion. That's the law of the universe. You reap what you sow. What you put out comes back to you. So okay. I would raise, if, if I was in the audience, I would say, define what you mean by free will. Or to ask him, what is it, how do you think the universe works? And what's your place in it? See, because he's always getting us to talk about that. Let's hear your story. A, not to pick him apart, but B, he's controlling the narrative. But, but, but for me, that question is, what do you mean by free will? It's like God, because free will may mean something different to you. To me, it means I can do, like you said, I can choose rightly or wrongly, but whatever I choose, I'm going to get a consequence from it, and I need to be able to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had another part to, to that. I had another part to that too. And just to, and just to yeah, I'm sorry. Up, I, won't, I won't, I won't, I won't try to extend this. But he also said um, something about the, uh, you know, I think about re reality, and I'm curious about your perspective. Uh, that there's a persistence. We all experience things um, similarly, at least as far as we know. But we had a conversation with Nick Cook a while back. And about this interface, what it, it's super fascinating conversation because the there was this idea that he brought up that like a computer um, interface, like a user interface on the computer, we are interacting with reality with an interface that we don't even understand. And although we may see things from this nice graphical user interface where there's applications or whatever, but in, in reality there's there's things and technology and, and, and there's physical objects that we interact with and so forth. That's not actually what's happening with reality. Physics says that there's something yeah. very different that's yeah. happening with reality. And yet we all experienced it. We all somehow persistently experienced the same thing. Um, obviously, you know, minus the, the, uh, the cognitive differences or ideological ones. But physically, there is a persistence of reality, yet it's not what it appears to be. So the idea that, you know, that, that we understand that there's no, we know there's no God. Or we know there's no ultimate consciousness, or we know there's no life after death. We know there's no non-human intelligences. Yet when we look in a telescope, <laughs> we only look at like one spot in the in and and say, okay, well, we've looked at this one spot, and although we know there's so much more out there, there's definitely nothing else out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, who was it? And was it An Anius Nin who said we don't see things as we are. We see we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. But again, it makes my point that if I don't believe in something and I'm not willing to be open to it, then I'm creating that reality. 
I'm you know, it's like, you know, it's like people who say that this is the dream, that we're all spiritual beings and that this is the dream. So if but but we're we're taught and programmed to view life a certain way, societies, cultures, individuals. And so we're going to experience things alike because we've also been taught that if you don't, there's something wrong with you. So again, we're creating our own reality. So when Brother Tyson talks about this, I'm like saying, you know, you're you're making my point because you won't let in the other realities that people say they're experiencing. So how would you even have a chance to be open to it when you're saying it doesn't exist? So it's 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 the same thing over and over and over again. Um, but people are breaking out of that. People are coming more evolved. People are waking up. Um, but we've been programmed. You're programmed. When you are on this planet, you are implanted and you are programmed. And this is what a little boy acts like. This is what a little girl acts like. This is what God is. This is what is wrong or right. And, and that's in you. Yeah. And when then you grow. So a lot of spiritual growth is unlearning what you were taught. You know, Break, breaking that conditioning that we all yes. have, whether we know it or not. And that's what good religion would do. Yeah. But it's not religion that is bad, even though some Palladians have argued that it is. Um, but it's it's bad theology. It's yeah. bad religion. I'm in this club and you're not. Uh, we call ourselves a Christian nation. I mean, not, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Okay. And you got a lot of people believing that. Yeah. That this is what it looks like. And if you're not in this club, you're going to have a problem. But they've been conditioned. And I'm not being apologetic. It's the same thing with liberals like me who think that all these other people are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't say it. Oh. <laughs> well, that, That's a good point, south, right? But I'm yeah. south, now, but I can't. and it's there, man. It's spoken. I mean, well, it's yeah. unspoken. If they hear an accent, well, automatically you're done. It's like a woman, you know. It's just assumed that you're just not quite up to stuff, and so, but they don't get it that they're doing the same thing mm -hmm. that they're saying these conservative brothers and sisters are doing. They're just doing it in a more sophisticated way. It's still arrogance. It's still hubris. And it's still hypocritical. Yeah, great points. And to clarify, again, we like to give both sides of the debate. Not all of science is saying that religion doesn't exist. In fact, I have exactly. a clip here yeah, saying well, that science, that? science yeah. is religion in a sense. So let's check this out and then we'll get your guys' opinion. Let me show you that science and religion fundamentally talk about the same thing. And why there's a giant Hindu statue outside of CERN, the biggest scientific research facility in the world. Let's start with a quote by Carl Sagan. The notion that science and spirituality are somehow mutually exclusive does a disservice to both. Science, spirituality, and religion are just three different ways of describing the same thing, how we exist in relation to the universe. Science tells us that in the beginning, the universe began in an incredibly small point where all the energy was present called the singularity. The singularity then imploded outward, spreading its energy in all directions. 
Then throughout time, the energy that spread became gases, then stars, then planets, and eventually us. Science also tells us that the universe and all the matter within it is just vibrations of underlying fields of energy, or energy vibrating at different frequencies, which I like to think of as energy dancing to different songs. And this is why CERN has the Hindu god Shiva doing his cosmic dance outside of their facility. Because Shiva's dance represents the dance of quantum fields that vibrates the universe into existence. Now religion tells us that the universe was created when God manifested itself as sound or vibration. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through the Word, all things were made. Here, the Word does not literally mean a word. It stands for a sound or a vibration. Hindu religion also has a saying that says Nada Brahman, which means God is sound or vibration. So, God is an energy or vibration, and the universe is energy in different states of vibration. So, what does that tell you? The universe is God vibrating at different frequencies, creating and sustaining everything from complex dances of energy. Truth is everywhere in the universe. It's only expressed in different ways, from science to religion to spirituality. So always remember that you can find wisdom in any religion or any belief. You just have to have your eye open to see it. Yeah, beautifully stated. Um, again, see how words can get in the way. We talked about this earlier, right? But, but you know, some people, God, some people say the universe, vibration. We let the words get in the way, but we're all going to the same place. That, um, that there is a source that we all come from and that perhaps we will all go back to. But, but we have to be very diligent about the words, not because we don't want to offend, but because we want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, I, I will say, I, I kind of feel like that was, first of all, that was a great video. I just feel like he made, there was a couple of logical leaps and assumptions he made in the beginning. Um, and then he, he tied them up towards the end in case anybody didn't catch that. It was, it was very well, uh, well thought out, but I, I do feel like there was a couple of logical leaps. First of all, the idea, I, I've always thought about the idea of vibration, um, that there, quantum physics suggests or string theory, right? Suggested that everything is vibrating at some, at a different frequency. And that's what creates the differences between one thing and the other. Um, aside from the density of particles, right? The density of atoms in, 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 a, in an object or whatever. That's what creates this, this appearance of, of difference, which is really interesting, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is what God is. Um, and I'm not, I don't want to break apart because I feel like it's more like that would be like an expression of God's power, if anything. Because in my mind, the idea of a God would suggest that there is a being or an intelligence that is not within this reality. Whether we see, whether, whether, um, whether we can, especially if we can observe God, like if we can observe something in this universe, it can't be God. I don't think that it can be God. Um, not per se. I think that if there is a God, an all-knowing, supreme, ultimate being that is more powerful than anything, and it's it's not something in this universe because this universe is finite. It, it's it's got you know we we abide by the laws of thermodynamics, so everything's going to die eventually. But this ultimate intelligence, this God that's always existed and always will, this you know omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent being can't possibly exist within this universe. He must exist, or she, or whatever must exist somewhere else. And I think that more likely, in my opinion, this is just how I see things, the idea of multiple dimensions is more likely that there's beings or intelligences that are outside of this dimension, whether they be higher or to the side or whatever, 
versus somewhere within this reality um, that's just hidden from us visibly. That one day we'll be able to, you know, create instruments or technology to, to visibly observe it. I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I can't imagine that to me. It's a limited God, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, it says in the Bible, I think when Moses asked, you know, people are going to want to know who is this God giving us his 10 commandments? Like, what is your name? Who shall I tell them you are? And the reply is, I am that I am. I am that I am. Yeah. So yeah. it is beyond comprehension. It is not thing nor concept God. nor person or place. It, it, I am that I am. It is beyond our comprehension. And you're right. You know, from a physical sense, everything will expire at some point. But that's like saying I made an oil painting. It's going to rot in 100 years time. But it still doesn't refute the fact that something made that painting. So creation is proof of a creator. We don't know what that looks like. We, some of us have some crazy ideas on that. And some of us have done horrible things over the years in the name of God, wars, genocides, and everything else. And that kind of brings me to my next point. I want to get uh, Michael's opinion on this. So some religions are, you know, okay with abortion. Some are not. Some religions are okay with a blood transfusion to save a baby's life. You want to take it out? You know, you want to go so here. What do you what do you make of sort of how we define the rules? I mean, they all seem man-made to me. It seems crazy that any human being is speaking on behalf of God, right? But and Christianity is a poor example because our scripture has 50 variations. The Quran, it's one, untouched. The Torah, untouched. But when you look at the Christian Bible, right? Started in Aramaic, got translated to Greek, then Latin. Then the Kim, King James Version. Then there's the Book of Mormon. I mean, we have so many variations of this scripture, none of them with any consistency, and all with kind of gaps because it is humans that are trying to do the work of God. So what is your opinion on sort of the difference on, on ethical issues like abortion, blood transfusions, things like that? What do you make of all that, Michael? I think that what I make of that is that we, that I don't know the answers to that, I think. Uh, but what I have to do is to learn to live with and respect the different um, cultures and the different uh, ways of being in the world that I could always be wrong. I think that's the um, one of the big things that has to be um, kept in mind. And that is not my role to police, and you're not implying this, but to police other people and other cultures about what it is that they feel that they need to be doing. Um, and also, but I but I have to, I don't have to agree with it, but I don't have to step in and say you need to do this my way. I do not agree with. Um, you know, if my daughter needed a blood transfusion or anybody, I would say, let's do this. Let's do it. Yeah. But I live in a world with 9 billion other people. And mm -hmm. so there are going to be people who are going to say, no, that's not, that's not what I believe. And I have to say, okay, um, I'm not, I can't, okay. I wouldn't do it that way, but okay. Um, and I, and again, I think what you're describing, Brother Lewis, is that uh, that's what we haven't been very good at doing, uh, trying to make each other in our own images. 
Uh, yeah. You know, I got it a long time ago that everybody's not a capitalist. Everybody doesn't <laughs> democracy. And it takes a lot of hubris to say, well, we're going to force it on you. We're going to make you do that because our it, it just doesn't work. And we still we're still not getting it. And I but and, and I want to be clear here, I'm not talking about a cultural or a relativity, but I am saying that we have to figure out collectively, am I doing this to be right? Am I going to persuade you or motivate you or intimidate you? Why am I doing this? Because everybody doesn't see the world the same way. And I know there's some people who take issue with that. I know some people who say, I'm a Christian. And yeah, yeah there's other religions in the world. But, you know, we're the only true religion. I mean, that's their attitude. And uh, uh, and so when you get to that point, I'm just using religion as a as an example. You can use it in any way, uh, whether it's against people of color or poor white folks or whatever. When you start, you, you have to say, well, wait a minute. Is my way right for them going somewhere and telling people what they need? Maybe the question should be, what is it that you need? How can I assist you as opposed to let me tell you what you need? I don't want to go too far off that path because that's not what you were talking about, but you get my point. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that uh, that's where we really get into. Now, in a society, there has to be some rules that have to be followed. And so fair and equitable rules. Right. Like Dr. King said, an unjust law is no law at all. But so you, you can't just have this per, like like in my church, we got all these different people, but we got these eight principles that we want you to adhere to. And if you can adhere to that, then this probably is the place for you. But if you can't, you need to go somewhere else because there's the social contract like Hobbes talked about. So I think that that has to be involved as well. Um, um you know, if I knew the answers, brother, I get get the Nobel Prize. We split the money, and uh, but but uh, it's their challenges. But but that's part of evolution too. That's part of living in a multicultural, diverse world. As we go into the 21st century, some people call it the age of Aquarius. Okay, but remember, Aquarius is about technology and diversity, and you cannot be afraid of diversity and and survive in the years that are coming. And when I and when I say diversity, I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about plurality of thought. That diversity is also different ideas. You know, that's a big part of diversity. Not just a lot of people think it's skin color and gender and all, it's all of that. But it's also uh, in the marketplace of ideas. And all those ideas we cannot, um, we we may not all agree with, but we have to find a way that's going to be fair and equitable. So and make room for that. You know, it's it's like um, let's what they did in South Africa. I'm, I'm thinking about this with the UFO community, um, with disclosure, and some people were killed, some people lost their lives. We've been lied to for 80 years, and there are a lot of people who, you know, both sides of the coin want disclosure, don't. There's some ETs who want disclosure, and some don't. But a lot of people are like, look at the wrong I've done. Look at what's been 
you know, some things went down that really shouldn't have gone down. So South Africa has that Truth and Reconciliation Committee, and it worked. And if we could have something like that here, where maybe some government people who did some shady stuff, some things, maybe Lockheed Martin and some other, uh, you know, CEOs and stuff, if they, if they, if 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 we said, look, you can come forward. What you did was horrible, but you can come forward. We're going to start all over. Tabla Rasa. We want the truth. You will not be persecuted. It worked in South Africa under more shameful conditions than this. Otherwise, we're always going to have a, a big segment of people who are going to be afraid to come forth. I just had to get that in there. I I recently heard an argument. Sorry, Louis, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's you're up. It's your question, bro. Um, I recently heard an argument by Mark Lamont Hill. He's like a political commentator he's a he's a phd academic guy whatever um he said he doesn't believe in capital punishment you know for any for anybody and he got a lot of backlash because he essentially rejected it's a black guy right rejected the um the idea that this one shoot the the guy who the one kid who went into a black church and in like slaughtered oh yeah dylan yeah i don't believe in capital punishment either I don't yeah, he he said he didn't believe he should be killed, and in in one. No, I don't. I didn't either. And my and I've and I've had a family member murdered. Yeah. See, I, I don't believe in it personally either, but the, my my ideology will come into play here in a second as to why. But he said something to the effect of like, yeah, you know, if 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 they do it to black people, you know, capital punishment is done to black people. This is his words, not mine. Um, on the streets all the time by each other. First of all. Um, but also by the by some elements, uh, you know, of, of of the justice structure, the justice system itself. Innocent black people are sent to prison and then death to death row for crimes they haven't committed, sometimes for 40, 50 years. And even after they've been acquitted of those crimes, sometimes they still have to face the death penalty because of some legal loophole. And he go he went over like a whole thing. He said, that's that's why essentially he said, if they can do this to, to us, this is his again, his words, not mine. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> Hi. Oh, we got a visitor. <laughs> okay, okay. That is Lily. <laughs> yep, that's Lily. <laughs> Sorry. Um if if they can do it to us, he says, um, then then we should we should just for the sake of saving the one life that spends their whole life in prison and then ends up on death row for something they haven't done. We shouldn't do it for anybody just for this, even for well, the sake of that one life. I mean, even without that, it doesn't work. It doesn't bring down crime. I agree. No, it, it doesn't. doesn't. And on so, top so, of that, I mean, I get your point. Yeah. Your point yeah. is well taken. Mm -hmm. I'm not, but it doesn't work. It doesn't no. prove to be a deterrent to crime. No. If anything, if I'm going to commit a violent crime and I know that I'm if I get caught, I'm going to I might kill you anyway, because I know that it's a zero yeah. sum game. You may tell on me, you may whatever, but it just doesn't work. And again, though, most people, if you give them the religious argument, they'll say, well, this is what the Hebrew Bible talks about. An eye for an eye. Now, uh, you know, uh, uh, twenty five hundred years ago, another brother came in. 
and said, that doesn't work. I'm going to give you a new law. But that that's retributive justice. But but I and I get your point morally, ethically, but even from just the cold hearted facts, the science, uh, the numbers show that it doesn't deter crime at all. Well, there is another, there was another becomes, point. It becomes bloodlust. It becomes I, revenge I, instead yeah, of mercy. Yeah, versus actual punishment or I mean reformation is is I think is more valuable to society than than punishment, especially capital punishment. Um, but I think there needs to be consequences, of course, but not cap. I mean, you end someone's life, you essentially give them a way out because if they're going to spend their life in prison, that sucks um, for most people. But but there is something else buried within the, what I was going to say. And that is, you know, if we don't all believe in the same establishing definitions, I think is extremely important. We mentioned the other day altruism in one of our conversations, Louis. And somebody made a video on the, you know, talk about that. And the idea of altruism is to put someone else's needs before your own, um, before what you need. You want to, if, if you're starving and you have one apple and you see someone else who's also starving, you will give them the apple so that they don't suffer, even though you're going to suffer more, potentially even die as a consequence of your actions to help that person. That's altruism. Now, some people say it's altruistic to do nice things for some people but not all people. And I think it's important for, for civilization to establish a unified understanding of what, of definitions. What do we mean by good? What do we mean by equality, equity, or what's justice? What do we mean by that? Because justice can be redefined subjectively by different people. And I think that's what, to me, the problem with almost all of our issues systematically is that we don't all share the same reality when it comes to defining what we mean by any one of these things. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we if that's even possible. I don't know if you can get nine billion people on the same page. With I, that. I know, I know. Um, and I don't even know if that's possible. Um, but I think we do need to 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 just be able to say that other people have a different way as you know you you have the social contract you can believe what you believe as long as you're not harming me i think that we're still having problems just doing that i, I wanted to switch gears here for a reason um yeah. this is an einstein quote about the future of religion he says the religion of the future will be a cosmic religion it should transcend a personal god and avoid dogmas and theology it covers both the natural and the spiritual, which I think are one, but it should be based on a religious sense arising from the experience of all things natural and spiritual as a meaningful unity. He says that Buddhism fits that. And that's I think so, too. But Buddhism is a philosophy, not a religion. Mm. However, um, there's a lot of shoulds in it. It should do this. It should do that. But it, it, it's a religion that transcends one of the things that what on my journey i went from a personal god and he talks about to a uh, uh, uh you know that there's no man up in the sky looking at me and michael you didn't do this you didn't do that but my but I, it was my feeling that i was belonging to something more transcendent uh you know again words get in the way avoiding the dogmas and the dogmas are what really separate us, that what's right for me is what's right for you. Um, and again, I don't know if we can have a, 
Um, let, let's say I'm, I'm driving to Texas, okay, because we live in the United States. Now, Texas will have different laws um, than I'm coming in from North Carolina or New York. So when I go to Texas, I need to be aware of those laws, whether I agree with them or not. I think things like that taken seriously or, or, or just, you know, looked at. I, I, I don't agree with Texas with gun laws. I don't agree with that. But I'm in Texas. So I need to, same thing if I went to another country, I need to be aware of that. I may not agree with it, but I need to respect those laws. I think that that's what we need more of, whether it's religion, whether it's um philosophy, different cultures. I think we just need to be aware of that. And if you don't respect it, then don't go there. Yeah. Don't go yeah, there. Like don't go to Dubai and start mm-hmm. cursing their religion and drinking right. in the streets. You're going to find out real right. quick that they don't take or, that, right? Go to Texas or evangelical America in the Southland and, you know, spout off. If you don't respect it, then don't go. Yeah. You know, I mean, because because that's what we need, I think. It's simple but difficult for a lot of folks to do. But I can't go down there and tell them, look what you're doing here. You know, that's not what. Now, if you got that kind of, con- if that's what you feel like you came here to do, then you must do that. But just know you can do anything you want. You just got to pay the consequences. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Coming up on the end here, Michael, I want to give you an opportunity. Yeah. Let's hear about your new book. Oh, yeah. It's called uh, Enlightenment. It's a group. It's a selection of sermons on justice, on uh, spirituality, on religion, on philosophy, uh, on holidays. Um, All my books, as you know, the UFO books, the healing books, the prayer books, they're on Amazon. But this book just came out December 3rd. It's going it's a hardcover. It will be in Kindle, I'm hoping, by Friday. Um, but I'm hoping that you'll be interested and uh, we can discuss it. Um, and I, once again, brothers, it's just been a pleasure. Uh, the holidays are upon us, yeah, and I'm are. wishing you and your family um, a gentle peace this, this holiday, yeah. this holy day season. Thank you. It's always amazing chatting with you. I always feel uh, invigorated. I love that. You can kind of tie it all together. And again, being the head of a Unitarian parish, you have a healthy respect for other people and you're not out there telling people what they should be feeling, but rather learning from them. You know, that's how you feel. Why do you feel that way? Maybe I can sharpen my own understanding Mm -hmm. of this. And the bottom line is nobody knows. So you can't be on either side of that polarity. You can't be out there spouting that Jesus is going to save everybody And you also can't be out there saying you're a bunch of idiots. There's no such thing as a God. I think you need a healthy respect. Even if you don't believe it, have a healthy respect for those who do. Yeah. I think if we look at each other over the fence, we see there's a lot more commonality between the two of us, the 9 billion people on this earth. Fundamentally, we all want the same things. We want to have a healthy, happy, fulfilling life. We want our families to live in a safe environment, free from fear or political oppression. We all want the same thing. And even at a basic level, all religions say the same thing. Don't kill your they brother. Do. Help out a friend yeah. if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Treat your parents with respect. It's going to come around yeah. to you, the golden rule. So we're essentially all fighting on the rules that we have made as humans. Let's just get a little closer and more mm-hmm. accepting with each other. Yeah. And I think that's that's how we get there. That's, and that's that's final thoughts to you, Marquise, before we roll. No, this is um, – I really appreciate this conversation. I really wish we had more time. Um, to be honest, we'll do a part this, two. This is, yeah, this is one. You can do a part I, two. 
We yeah, can do man. a part two. We can do a two-hour thing. Yeah, but but we're on the same page. And, you know, even if we are, we're brothers. We know we can talk. The, yeah. You know, I, you know, it's just when you talk, as you were saying, Louis, you know, it just helps to say, well, this is what I believe. Okay? That way you're not telling people, this is what I've come to. Um uh, you know, and and but I'm willing to talk and to learn. We can still disagree. But I want to know how you got there. That's yeah. how you create a dialogue. And some people say, "Well, I don't want to talk about that." Fine, then you don't. But I, I think 99% of the people, maybe not that many, maybe 95, they want to talk. And right. and so that's and that's how it all begins. And um, because there's some things you got to take a stand about. There's something, you know, you could be on the fence about something, but it's the stand that you're taking for you. I'm not saying you got to take the same stand I take. And in a pluralistic world and a populated universe, it, that'll be the gift that keeps on giving. Well said. And we will have you back again for a part two. You and know, I love today. it. Yeah, we, we love having you. You're always got an open love invite it. on the show. Definitely and uh, we'll bring it. today's episode to a close. And uh, I do want to say thank you again, Reverend Michael Carter, phenomenal speaker and great Michael. mind. And, and send me the link so I can tell everybody about you. <laughs> we'll do. This will be out in a couple weeks. Yeah, send me and, a link. Uh, thank and you I'll to my co out. Yep. Thank you, Marquise. Blessing. And blessing. Myself, Louis Borges. Thank you, everybody at home, for watching. Take I'll care bless. of each other. We'll see you next time.